This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Just like that, it is over. College football is over. We have just witnessed one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive team in NCAA history. What we just saw last night, national championship game, Clemson versus LSU. The game really wasn't even as close or it wasn't even in danger of being a close game. Clemson did come out strong. They came out strong. They striked early, scored early, uh, had LSU confused. But as soon as Ogeron and Joe Brady and Ariana made their changes, they made adjustments after that first quarter, it was just lights out. It was total, total domination by LSU on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. And let me just say this. I, I know they lost the game. I do not participate in any IDP leagues, never participate in IDP, don't really know how the defensive players are scored, but I've talked to a couple of people and apparently, you know, linebackers are those players who can get a lot of tackles and sacks and interceptions, those are the ones that are most valuable. Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, the safety linebacker corner combo from Clemson, I just want to say that he is, he's, he's a freak. He is, he is a fantastic football player, and if I were playing in IDP leagues and if they were IDP Debbie or however that works, Isaiah Simmons is somebody I know that I'd want on my on my fantasy team. But back to the, the offensive players and what we witnessed tonight, it, it should have a little bit of everybody excited. It should have those of you who play in one quarterback leagues, those of you in PPR leagues and Debbie leagues. You should just be excited. Depleted rookie drafts. I mean, this had everything. When you're looking at the LSU side of the ball, Joe Burrow. So super flex. Absolutely. You know, we don't even... Tua Tagovailoa is my quarterback one in the 2020 class. That does not mean that I believe he'll be drafted number one overall. There's no way. 
Joe Burrow is going number one overall. That doesn't mean I'm not telling you to draft Tua or to draft Joe Burrow. That's just my personal opinion on who the best quarterback in this class is. And and Tua has been doing it, you know, for two and a half years. And what Joe Burrow just did this season can't you can't compete with that as well. But with that being said, if you're sitting at the 101 in a super flex league, you're going Joe Burrow. You're going to a, you're, that. That's that should be one two. But it's just 60 touchdown passes. It's it's not just the touchdown passes. It's his command of the offense. It's his mobility. It's his pocket presence. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's accurate with the ball. He can extend plays. And when you think about the potential for him landing on the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Mixon, with Tyler Boyd, is A.J. Green coming back? We don't know, but they've got Auden Tate. And I know it sounds crazy, but John Ross is still there. They've got, you know, Tyler Eifert is still serviceable at tight end. I mean, that go buy the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Go buy them all because that's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And I think he's going to be very good for that team. Just what he did this year at LSU, it's unprecedented. But I do believe his style of play, his confidence, his size, the skills, the intangibles that he brings to the table, it's sustainable for the long term. So Joe Burrow is going to be a stud. So those of you in Superflex leagues, you should be excited. Those of you in depleted uh, dynasty rookie drafts this year because you play in a Debbie league, nobody took Joe Burrow last year, so you should be excited. Again, any type of format that you play in this game had it all. On the other side of the ball, Trevor Lawrence just, he had an off day. And it is not often that you see Trevor Lawrence out there confused and befuddled and throwing the ball into the dirt and he just didn't look comfortable. After the first quarter, when LSU made adjustments, he didn't look comfortable anymore. <clears throat> and because of that, he's throwing balls in the dirt, you know, it just overthrowing passes. He he had an off game. But don't let this one game define a career. And he's got a he, he's a true sophomore. He's got a whole nother year left of college football with Justin Ross coming back. Where we still need to see what T. Higgins is going to do. But Trevor Lawrence is still an absolute stud. Him and Justin Fields, 1A, 1B in that 2021 class, I would not be too concerned long-term whatsoever with Trevor Lawrence and his performance. It was just a bad game. And when you're talking about the running backs from this game, I can't I, – I, I need to sleep. I need to go to sleep. I'm tired. The game was about six hours long. I don't know why they drug it out as long as they did. Let's just get it over with, crown Joe Burrow, and go about our evening. But I just want to move Clyde Edwards Elaire up so high. I just I want to move him over a couple of people. He I want him in my tier one of running back prospects. I want to thoroughly evaluate some of the others a little bit more, but his skill set, what's not to like about him? He's patient, he's fast, he's powerful. He's elusive. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He can break tackles. His contact balance is phenomenal. And I saw a couple of people on Twitter talking about uh, the combine potentially hurting his draft stock. Where? His verified testing numbers coming out of high school were outstanding. 39-inch vertical jump, 4.04 short shuttle, 4.474 yard dash. Where's a bad athlete? The only knock against Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he's five foot eight. But he's five eight, two hundred and what, two ten? I'll take that with elusiveness, with speed. 
I saw my favorite comp of him tonight. I know Ray Rice is out there. I know Austin Eckler. I've said that. But, man, he really, Brian Westbrook might be it. I I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire, wherever you get him in, in one quarterback leagues, late one, he's a late one now. He's he's a late first-round pick. Running back should be, you know, my opinion is you build through the running back position. You want to get those guys in dynasty rookie drafts because they accrue value faster. The running back has a chance to get on the field, easy transition position. If he scores points and, you know, has some value, you'll be able to trade that running back, whereas it takes wide receivers a little bit longer traditionally to perform. So you've got to take CEH at the end of the first. If you get him in the second, that's a steal. He's a stud. Travis Etienne looked well, too. Uh, he, he is what he is, right? He's fast. He can accelerate faster than most people in college football. It's, that is who Travis Etienne is. A lot of talk today about his receptions. He's catching the ball right at the line of scrimmage. He's not truly being used in this wide receiver weapon-type role. He's fast. He was fast tonight. When he gets the ball, three steps, he's top-end speed. He's got elite speed. He's fast. He's got very good contact balance. He knows how to transition that speed to power. But that's that's who he is. That's what he is. I, I don't know what ETN's ceiling is. And, and, you know, he may have the high ceiling. Where, though? Because he's fast. Everybody in the NFL is fast. Being fast doesn't make you have the high ceiling. Do we actually think he's going to become a more elusive running back at the next level? Do we think that he has the ability to go out there and catch 50, 60 passes in a season? So if you don't believe those two things are possible, if you don't believe he's going to become a, a, be a banger in between the tackles, increase that reception total to 50-60, be able to get more wiggle to his game, if you don't think those things are possible, where's that high ceiling? Think he's going to go out there and Chris Johnson it? 2,000 rushing yards, just pure speed? I don't know. You know, if that's how you feel, then I'm, I'm not going to knock it. But I just, I don't, he's fast, he's good. Uh, there are a couple of running backs that I would prefer over Travis Etienne, but I really enjoy watching his game. Now, the wide receiver positions, I mean, both sides of the ball. We'll, we'll start with Clemson, with T. Higgins and Justin Ross, Amari Rogers. They were all right. LSU was just better tonight, you know. What What is Higgins going to do? I, I think he declares for the draft, but we're not sure. Justin Ross has got another year, so he and Trevor Lawrence are coming back, and I can only imagine that they're going to continue to to grow and thrive together. But coming into the season, it was consensus, like Justin Ross was number one, number two. The, the debate we were having was Rondell Moore versus Justin Ross. And I think Ross, Moore has slipped a spot, a spot, but I think Ross has slipped considerably. I think there are maybe three wide receivers, three or four in the 2021 eligible class that I'd take over Justin Ross. I think he's a, a supremely talented wide receiver, but there are some other guys that I like in and prefer to him. Now, there is nobody that I prefer in college football over LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is absolutely just, you know, when some people get the ball, they just look different. They look special. And... It's not like Jamar Chase's Tyreek Hill level speed, right? It's it's not that type of look special. He just 
he's a different kind of cat, man. There was a there was a play in the game. It was an incomplete pass. I think he had got a pass interference called against him. And he was on the ground, and he just, like, karate flipped up. Just in football pads, 200-pound guy, you know, just nimble on his feet. And I just laughed and said, that's that's just an athlete being an athlete, right? If I got down on my back and tried to flip up, I it just – I'd look like a, a fish on its last breath out of water. But Jamar Chase, size, speed, you know, he did he he should have had another touchdown. He let bounce off his left shoulder pad. But for me, he is the best wide receiver in college football. He is the Debbie 101 next year. I would be sending out offers to acquire him. I, I want Jamar Chase on my dynasty teams. I think he is going to be a surefire first round pick here in the next couple of years, and I love me some Rondell Moore. I love Rashad Bateman. I'm taking Jamar Chase over both of those guys right now, and even with regression next year because he's going to see it. I I don't care if they bring in Derek King. It doesn't matter who LSU brings in next year. They're not throwing 60 touchdown passes to a couple of interceptions. It's just not happening. So he should experience regression. Terrace Marshall is there. They're going to rely a lot on that running game with a new quarterback. But if he has half of the production that he had this past season, 20 touchdown catches, 15, 16, that's six. I think he ended up with like 1,700 yards. I'm not concerned. He's got the production profile. He's got the size. He's going to have the testing measurables. Jamar Chase is the 101 for me and Debbie. Now, Justin Jefferson, his teammate, He's also a fantastic wide receiver that I believe his value right now is second round in in dynasty rookie drafts. And depending on how he performs through the pre-draft process, he can see his NFL draft capital rise. And if his draft capital rises as a wide receiver with some of the guys that that announced that they were returning for their senior seasons or their junior seasons, Najee Harris, it has not been made official, but all indications are he is going back to Alabama. We heard Chuba Hubbard saying that he was coming back. So that's two potential first-round picks that have been knocked out of the class, right? Everything with Tyler Johnson, how people feel about that. He's not going to participate in the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl. So there is a real possibility that a player like Justin Jefferson, who is supremely talented, who has the production profile and the numbers to back his game, what if he sneaks into that late one? Either way, he's a stud. He's a stud. If I'm getting Justin Jefferson in the second, I'm very happy about that. And the wild card on this LSU offense that I just want to talk about is Thad Moss, the tight end. Randy Moss's son, but, you know, he had two touchdowns all season and has two in this game. And I listened to the announcers talk about him in the pregame, and they were talking about how good of a blocker he is. And he is 2020 draft eligible, and I just wonder what what these guys are going to do. We still need to see what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to do. We're waiting on Justin Jefferson, Thad Moss. We know Joe Burrow is going out. It's going to be an interesting couple of days. And Moss may be somebody that you can snag in the late fourth or right on that uh, first first round of uh, rookie waivers. You stash him on the bench and see what he can become. He's got the pedigree to do it, and he looks pretty good when given the opportunity out there on the college football field. So what does this mean and where do we go with this information from this final football game in the 2019 college football season? Who are my risers? 
who are my followers, who are the people that I'm absolutely willing to pay up for from this game because there are plenty that we just talked about and there are some that we didn't even get into and, and even discuss. But I think for me, the biggest riser in this game was Clyde Edwards-Elaire. His skill set, his true three-down skill set, the ability to run between the tackles, the will, the ability to be a weapon in the receiving game, it's effortless for him, his lateral quickness, his agility, his physicality. He's somebody that I can see being ranked inside the top five of dynasty rookie uh, running backs. When you've got DeAndre Swift, and there are some people out there who are, are, are souring a bit on DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor, is he a true three-down back? Travis Etienne, is he a true three-down back? J.K. Dobbins, some people love him, some people aren't as high on him. Chuba's gone, Najee's gone. So you've got Cam Akers, Zach Moss, Eno Benjamin. Clyde Edwards Elaire is better than all those guys. You know, I'm a big Cam Akers truther. I am a big fan of Cam Akers, and I believe that his ceiling is absolutely through the roof. I would have Cam Akers as a tier one guy, and Clyde Edwards Elaire is right there knocking on the door for the back end of tier one running back prospects for me and in how I grade film for he's the he's the biggest riser for me the the biggest faller and I don't even want to call him uh you know a big faller he played part of the game injured was T Higgins I was I was a little disappointed in Higgins at, at the receiver position he did have a fantastic touchdown run where he absolutely obliterated Christian Fulton out there but there were times in the game, and the, and the announcers were talking about it, that he just couldn't shake coverage. He couldn't get open. And that's my fear with T. Higgins is that he is a one-trick pony at the next level. He's a big, physical, dominating wide receiver that you'll want to get slants to, throw it up, and let him you know, jump ball you and, and beat you in that way. Now, it's not a death sentence to be a one-trick pony or just a, a bigger body, you know, kind of high-point wide receiver, if you're the best at doing that, well, you can make a career out of that. Des Bryant, by no means, was just some savant technician out there. He dominated early with what he did at Oklahoma State, and that's go get the ball. But I, I think it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if we heard that T. Higgins was coming back. I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me if it did. He's just a little bit of a, a faller for me. And more actionable outcomes from this game because I just don't want to talk in, in hypotheticals and just sort of say the what-if game. I said a few minutes ago that Tua is my personal favorite quarterback in this class. My actionable advice would be if you're in a super flex league and you need a quarterback, you draft Joe Burrow and you don't think twice about it. You go ahead and lock up the, the sure thing. I think Joe, Joe Burrow's uh, floor, I think his you know career arch is is steady and good. I don't think he's going to bust. I don't necessarily, you know, believe that he's going to be some all-pro quarterback out there. He very well may be. And if so, then awesome. I will say I was wrong at this point in time. I see Tua's ceiling being higher than Joe Burrow's. His floor is absolutely lower than anybody because he may never become what we thought he could be or you know, what we project him to be. I think he's got a very little floor, but I think his ceiling is a little higher. So if you're in a situation where you like the quarterback asset, right, you know that 
the cheapest that you can get a quarterback is on draft day, and hell or high water, you're walking out of the super flex draft with Tua, even though you may not necessarily need him. I think that's the team that has the the flexibility and the leeway to take that risk because there is risk in Tua. Anybody out there who says it's a non-risk pick, whether that's NFL or fantasy, you're crazy. There's a lot of risk in that pick. So if you're pretty insulated and stable at the position and you're willing to take that risk for that high upside, then I think Tua is is the is the guy there. My up and comer, just sort of watching this game and who I think could could rise up, could be somebody who just, you know, we're gonna want to get is is the is the tight end Thad Moss. I'm I'm just interested to watch what he does in a group of tight ends who in twenty twenty they're just kind of okay. You know, Hunter Bryant, Harrison Bryant, Alberto, Bryson Hopkins, whatever you think. I I think it's just okay. So, you know, Foster Moreau. I was high on Foster Moreau coming out last year, and you know he performed pretty well at the combine. But I, you know, he's he was able to score touchdowns for the Raiders this year. So I think Thad Moss is somebody that we all should keep an eye on. Now, what the heck am I going to be doing now that we're fully into draft season? Well. As you know, if you've been listening to DDP, I'm a big supporter. I, I just like to watch film. I truly do. As a former athlete, I just enjoy watching some of the subtle nuances in the game. And, and when you're watching safety coverage and you're watching excellent defensive line play, I, I just really get a kick out of it. I enjoy watching that. I enjoy watching teams and players beat those defenses. So I, I like film. I but uh, in 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 a way to be transparent to you all, I sort of wanted to this year. I'm going to uh, implement my own prospect film score and be very transparent and open with you of how I score these players and and why I do. So my film score is going to be based on a pre pre draft pre combine model that I'll adjust after the combine and pro days. So I'm going to use a combination of analytics and film because I have grown and learned to appreciate what the data shows. And the film is very subjective. <laughs> you know, this this evening, everyone's talking about route running and who runs crisp routes. I'm just telling you right now, that is, if that's a part of your breakdown, to me, I think it's the most overrated trait, the over most overrated trait that these wide receivers have as far as impact at the next level because when you get to the next level they're going to teach you you are that is your job 24 7 7 days a week you're working on your craft so if you're not the best route runner coming in that is something that you can be taught you can be taught leverage you can be taught technique when you're studying the defensive backs that you're playing with extensively you'll figure out ways to win and i watch the nfl sometimes and they're not out there running crisp routes every single time. They're beating their damn man. They're getting the ball delivered to them on time, and they're making plays. Riley Ridley ran great routes last year. DK Metcalf, people laughed because he couldn't. He didn't turn around fast enough when he was running a hitch. He he didn't break off that square end just like uh, Amari Cooper. Like, but DK Metcalf looks like he's getting it done just fine. So I'm not concerned about that type of stuff in my in my pre-draft pre-combine model. So my film score is not an indication or projection for future fantasy football points, okay? There are people out there who have models that say this player is going to score X number of points. That's not what I'm doing when I'm grading film. It's just a way 
to evaluate my subjective eye. I'm telling you guys what I see on tape. So I need some checks and balances, right? I want to make sure that the things that I'm looking at, the things that I'm seeing, the things that I'm telling you these players are good at, it's backed up by some sort of some sort of metric, some sort of number. If I give somebody a six on the speed score, I want you to be able to say, well, how do you come to that determination? Did you get close to that six or not? So I'm going to be using uh, the NFL combine as a way for checks and balances and not so much what these guys look like, but if I grade somebody an eight or nine speed score in my film grade, then I expect them to go out there and run whatever that number is that I have plugged into the formula. They need to be at or below that number. So that way, uh, we can make sure that Ray's actually hitting on these prospects that I tell you guys. So there's a lot that I'm going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months on the DEP about these players. My film grade form, I've got a bunch of great guests lined up. We're going to be taking an analytical, uh, you know, data fact-driven dive into these prospects as well as what we see on tape. So it's been a heck of a first year of the DDP. I appreciate you guys listening throughout the weeks from preseason, the summertime, through the college football season. I think we've enjoyed one another. I've had some hits, Chuba Hubbard. I've had some misses, Cam Akers. But all the while, we're continuing to learn, we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to share this Debbie knowledge, and we're continuing to have fun and respect one another playing this crazy game of a game we play. So I can't thank you all enough for joining me in this first season of the DDP. I look forward to hanging out with you during draft season. Check me out over there on DLF. I also co-host the Debbie Happy Hour, and I will be featured on the Dynasty Blueprint, the Dino Blueprint with Ryan McDowell, Matt Williamson, We'll be diving into prospects starting Thursday, so please check us out over there. Hey, so excited to talk to you guys. Thank you for a great 2019 season, but you know what's next. I'm rambling. Drop the music.